Peace Women Across the Globe. A podcast about women's contribution to peace building all over the world. If we ignore women's rights at the beginning, the bloodshed will not stop. Let's be realistic. All the accords, all the agreement in Afghanistan, the Geneva in 1988, no women. The Mujahideen government, which was built in Pakistan, in Rawalpindi, no women. The deal between Masood and Hekmatyar, no women, failure. Taliban, no women, failure. So should we learn from the mistakes? The pain I gone through, President Ghani doesn't understand. President Karzai doesn't understand. Good morning, I'm Sima Samar, and I'm a medical doctor by profession. I've been the chairperson of Afghanistan Independent Human Rights Commission uh, for 17 years, and that was the first national institution of human rights. And I have to say that the Afghanistan Independent Human Rights Commission have done a lot on human promotion and protection of human rights. And we got the very good support by the public, we had a, a status within the international community and we had a good reputation among the people. Since 17 of July 2019, I was put as a special envoy and state minister for human rights and international affairs. This is completely new position. I have no budget, no staff and no office yet. But hopefully I'll be able to start it and to contribute to more promotion and protection of human rights in the country. Most of the Afghan people live from some form of agriculture, whether it be a settled existence in a small village or traveling the country as nomads with flocks of sheep or goats. Either way, it's a very poor life. When I was born, it was the King Zahir Shah uh, who was in power. He was in power for 40 years. The country was poor but it was peaceful. We had a king, the state institution were able to reach in the different corner of the country. People were not violent. We never had this kind of extremist, radical, violent, aggressive group of people. There were discrimination. I would not say that there was not discrimination. There was difference between the different ethnic groups and so on, but it was not violent. So we started to have girls' school in most of the big cities. The girls were going to school. The boys were going to school in the big cities. But most of the rural areas didn't, was not really, uh, let's say, developed a lot. But even those, for example, my mother, when she was married, they have the, the marriage certificate. In a district, 
in one corner of Afghanistan. This shows that there was a legal system. Currently, in those areas, there's no legal certificate for the marriage. Honestly, when I was young, I wanted to be engineer. And interestingly, road construction engineer. I don't know why I was interested to that, because I was thinking that the people who are standing on the, on the street with their yellow metallic hat and ordering the others, so that was a power that showed that ability and the power. So, but when I was going to the uh, exam, the entry exam, the concord exam for the university, my brother was accompanying me. So he said, why don't you choose medicine first and then put engineering? Because if you choose the medicine, you can easily transfer because the highest number was the medicine. So I accept the advice. Well, my ambition was to be a person to support the others. And I was, even when I was quite young, I was thinking that... uh, I should have an orphanage and help people who are in need. But not as much as we have today. I was not imagining that we will have a war and so many millions of, of orphans. About half a million people live in Kabul, and it's here that East and West rub shoulders. This is the only place where you might see an Afghan woman unveiled and in Western dress. Where the foreign influences. Well, I was married before going to university because we had only one university in Kabul and there was not established dorm for the girls. So my, my father was hesitant to let me go to, to study in Kabul. Then I was married with a, a relative of us uh, who was already teaching at the Kabul University in science. He was physicist. And I said, if he helped me to study, to continue my studies, I cannot be a good wife, I can be a good friend. And he promised that he will do everything uh, and facilitate everything that in his power to let me study. So we married, and he did everything, actually, to let me study. In 2011, it was declared that Afghanistan was one of the most dangerous places in the world. I cannot be a wife. I can be a friend. In the 1960s and early 70s, Equal 50%. We were so famous within our families that people were calling us 50%. Because that was so... I mean, if somebody from our family saw me on the street, said, well, without asking his name or... Where is the other 50%? How is he? If he was seen by uh, cousins, uncles, and so on, within he had a big family, actually. They were asking, where is the other 50%? So we become so famous being 50% in the family. <laughs> but I have to say that it was not, it was not a love marriage, but we had a very good understanding. It was very, very supportive. And um, we were only together for four years. Unfortunately, um, they took him one night and he never returned. I 
was hard working actually. I was trying to do as much as possible the housework, not to give any reason for my father maybe, and to anyone to criticize and say that, yeah, you should do the housework, not to go to school. So I was really working hard. I think it was because that I saw that there is a discrimination, so I tried to move up and show the ability. So I was in uh, third year of my uh, medicine when the kudata happened. And then my husband, not only him, but four brothers of him. The eldest brother was in army. The second brother was... Uh, director of a high school. The third was he, and the fourth was in 10th grade. Finally, the, MI24 the youngest and my husband was taken from Kabul in one day. We don't know about exactly about the others. When they were taken, we just heard from the uh, family of the elder brother that he was taken from the market. Kabul has become the center for Afghan intellectuals and reformers. The whole family lost around 64 people. Cousins, for step-cousins, uncle. His uncle was senator, 93-year-old. He had a heart problem, and he was taken the same night when my husband was taken. People are not directly threatened. This is a place with totally different standards. It's a group of people who came in our house at 10 p.m. And uh, the whole group was led by one of his students in the university, belonged to that political party. And they, he, uh, my husband had an exam next day on Pultechnik. He had exam in Pultechnik, so he made the questions, he made the key to the questions and everything. And then they came and uh, said that we want to take him. The boy, he's, he turned his face, he said, um, could you, if, in case, if he doesn't come, because I was insisting that he should wear proper shoes and socks and things, but he said, no, he, we will bring him after a few. He went with the uh, plastic sandal. We had only 1,200 Afghani at home, so I just put that money on his pocket in case if he needs to eat something. So he was taken, and um, the student said, in case the, the, our teacher doesn't come tomorrow, can you take the exam to Pultechnik as an um, educated person? And I said, I'm not the employee, he's the employee. It's his job. And it's moral to you not to take him. Let him do his exam tomorrow. But I never saw him again. Paula, it's hard to gauge how long it will take for Afghan women to truly stand on equal footing with men. But she does believe that the spirit to make that change does exist. The minute he was walking down from, you were in the first floor. While he was taken from, he was walking from the stair, he turned his face, he said, you should not follow me because I was too bold. So if they take me as well, then we had a son, which was one year old. But I went everywhere. I couldn't find any, any information. So almost as a student, every Friday I was going to 
this big jail to look for him. Not only for him, for his brothers as well. No, we, didn't, we didn't find any. Then I had to finish my medicine. I was still a student. I had to finish my medicine and then I start working in one of the hospitals in Kabul. And I worked there for four months. Then I went to my own village. The district was already free from the government in Kabul. It was under Mujahideen. So I went there. But only a stethoscope and a BPE operatus. And I wore a burqa to go. And then I was there almost, uh, almost three years. Then I decided to go to Pakistan because there was no school for my son. I stayed for 17 years. I was working in a Christian hospital which was built by a British in 1985. They had a refugee branch and I was working there. Uh, there was a young Afghan woman who had eclampsia. It was her first pregnancy. So I arrived, this lady had a convulsion. I ran here and there to find the an injection to give her to stop the convulsion, I couldn't find. So I had to refer her to another hospital, and she died. Then I decided that we should have emergency room, delivery room. It should be open 24 hours for these people where they should go. Well, um, after this lady died, I was crying, actually. I said, well, this lady came in the morning. We could have saved her with one injection, with one simple volume injection to reduce the convulsion. But she died. And I said, if you give me some money, I will start a hospital for women and children, which can be open for 24 hours. Then they start the hospital. Then the Norwegian foreign minister came to see the Afghan refugees. He came to see the hospital. It was crowded, 300 women sitting everywhere in the, in the street. He was so impressed. He said, what can I do, Seema, for you? And I said, can you give me money for a hospital in my town in Afghanistan? Well, yes. So I was invited by him for a dinner in, in one of the famous hotels in the town. Over there, he said, can you give me a proposal? Then, then I came home. There were some engineers, Afghan engineers, who were working with ILO, the, with the refugees. So I called them, I said, can you draw something for me and estimate the cost until tomorrow at 8? He said, yes, what do you want? And I said, 
will draw something as a hospital. So he draws something and then a calculation of some uh, construction cost. And he gave me at 8 o'clock in the morning and I took it to the this foreign minister of Norway. I forgot his name, but he was really nice. He said, yes, go ahead and start. This is 88, June 88. And they gave me money and I went and started the hospital without any contract in Afghanistan. In the 1960s and early 70s, Afghanistan was often viewed as more progressive than neighboring countries. But uh, then, after establishing the hospital in Afghanistan, and also the construction took four years because the different Mujahideen group looted the material several times. Then I started school because I thought school is the key. But in a conflict situation like Afghanistan or any other country, when they have headache, they need aspirin. They can't wait for another 14, 18 years to get education. So the immediate need. Wherever I went, I established a clinic first, and then next year or six months after that, school. Everybody, and imagine the people who are not giving money for health and education because they were saying it is development project, it's not emergency project. And it's, it's still the case. We are always in emergency. 41 years we are in emergency. I was coming to Swiss, for example, or going to any conference, then I had bags of bags of uh, handicraft I was selling to, to get money and establish those schools. Uh, Franny Fraunfelder, who was a Schaffhausen, she was collecting money from everybody and she was coming and helping my project. Ninety-five, we came to Bern. She found out that somewhere in Bern there's a store who collect the second-hand equipment of the hospitals, and then they donate to some people. When I went to the store, I collected everything, this one, this one. We took 50 kilo of all this metallic equipment, and I left all of my clothes to her house, and I packed my suitcase. I arrived with that bag in Karachi, and then the people in Karachi custom, they were saying that I have to pay custom. And I was begging, this is second hand. I'm taking it for Afghan refugee. No. So I bargained half an hour, so they didn't accept. So I opened the bag and I threw all these metals on the floor at the airport. Bang, 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 all was metal. These two men was running and trying to put, take it, take it, madam. They put it in the bag. So I got out and took a taxi, went to the hotel, which I was usually going to that hotel. It's so difficult to be poor. And I said, I'm not going to do it again. I'm still doing it. Well, I see the impact of my work. 
I see the young generation who studied in my school. For example, I go to Germany. There's a boy or a girl who studied in my school. He or she is diplomat. Now I'm going to New York. There's a boy who studied in those school I made. He's a diplomat. I wrote to him to book me a hotel. He said, no, please stay in my house. And he keeps saying that I owe you because if you were not there, if you did not establish the school, I would have been like all, all the other uneducated Afghan unskilled. While in power in Afghanistan, the Taliban became notorious internationally for their discrimination against women. Afghan women were forced to wear the burqa at all times. Women and girls were systematically discriminated against and marginalized. Their human rights utterly violated. Well, I think when the, the pro-Russian did a coup d'etat, they start to restrict people's human rights. Freedom of movement was difficult. Freedom of expression was dead, actually. Nobody was able to talk. People didn't have the, the freedom to go to the mosque and do whatever they even were doing during the game. This reason the people sought resistance was the violation of their human rights. Very simple. Women in the public sphere in order to lessen the control that patriarchal families had over women. Hearts in the well, Russian countries the right of women, although they were pushing, they said that they will literate all the women in the country in a year, which is very ambitious. The Mujahideen, which was chosen and supported by the Western countries, the extremists, they start to block everything for women. And for them, women should have been covered and not working. Even when I started the hospital in Pakistan, I was threatened by the Mujahideen group that I'm doing all these things. The American Stinger anti-aircraft missile, the weapon most credited with giving the Mujahideen an edge in the war. Just under two meters long, it weighs 17 kilos and... The good part is that the Taliban was mainly Pashtun and I was working in the Hazara area. So it was not much welcoming to the Taliban. I mean, they, they start to close down the girls' school and then the Shia religious scholar said, why are you closing the girls' school? Because in Quran it doesn't say. So then they was, okay, up to sixth grade. Then we changed the, the board of the door in the school. Everybody was six, up to sixth grade, but it was already 12th grade. <laughs> And Taliban put sanction to the Hazara area. We started a hospital in Maidan Wardak. And we smuggled all the equipment at the back of the people at night from Ghazni city. We lost a lot of our equipment as well. And the sanction was so bad, they really killed a lot of Hazaras on that time. Afghanistan during Taliban was... Uh, Everybody was able to come to Afghanistan. Everybody means the jihadists from everywhere. Al-Qaeda trained in Afghanistan. 
Al-Shabaab trained in Afghanistan. Who knows that some of these ISIS, Daesh, was trained in Afghanistan. And then we become the biggest producer of opium as well. Women were in prison practically. I was lobbying against these things, traveling everywhere. And uh, 9-11 was happened. Then it was the U.S. and they was pushed to to Enjoy attack the Afghanistan. pleasures they were denied. In the cities, a growing number of women cover only their heads instead of their whole bodies. All of this would have been unthinkable under the Taliban. But I think Taliban. the mistake was that, yes, Taliban was removed from power, but they were not eliminated. I remember that I had one by one meeting with Condoleezza Rice when she was the national security advisor, and I backed her not to go to Iraq. And I had a meeting with Kofi Annan again, and I said, Taliban are not finished. Don't give them chance to reorganize. And bad governance always giving chance to those kind of a group too. They went to Iraq because Afghanistan was a success story. And I remember the day before attack on Iraq, and I was following, I was saying, please don't go, because my fear was they draw the attention to Iraq and we will leave again. And that was what's happened. If you're a good friend with good faith and good moral support, give the chance to the people to promote democracy. Democracy cannot come with bomb. Democracy cannot come with killing the people, eliminating the people. That in 2002 and 2003, there was time that we could have brought Taliban not in power, but they were happy to not to be sent to Guantanamo. Now we give them the false winning position. We treat them as a VVIP, not VIP, VVIP. And they think that they are there in a winning. Women did not have enough power on decision-making. Yes, we have uh, women, three women as a minister, although two as acting minister. And we have some women as a deputy ministers, but we don't have a lot to say. I mean, we are, most of the decision is made behind the doors. Practically, we are not in the, in the position of decision making. And publicly, they keep saying that we need ceasefire or peace, then we will talk about women's rights. This is a, a big mistake because we ignore half of the population, then that talk is not inclusive. It's un incomplete, clear-cut. We try to, a pigeon to fly with one wing. And that even if it's a peace process, that pigeon cannot fly.
In my personal life, once the President Karzai was saying, Oh, you're always talking about women and Hazaras. And I said, Mr. President, you are not Hazara to feel the discrimination. And you are not a woman to feel the discrimination. I feel it with my skin, with my muscles, with my bones. Saying something is different than feeling it. I said, you don't understand when I was 23 when I became a widow. I feel the pain. You don't understand it. For a man, they, most of the time they are happy because they will get new young wife. But for me, it was not easy. For the experience that you get in your life, there's no substitute. Afghanistan was being called, you know, Little Paris. It was very modern. Uh, There's not much the organization as I would like, because remember on the conflict uh, countries, or even in the normal countries, there are different people with different mentality. And we cannot, we also, as a human being, we all have our ambition. It's not easy to bring everybody together. But one of the common things that we should come together is the woman cause. Even some of the women is saying, well, let's, have, let's stop the bloodshed first and then we can discuss the issue of women. A, if we ignore women's rights at the beginning, the bloodshed will not stop. Let's be realistic. A girl who was maybe three year or four year old or six year old during Taliban, what do they mem- remember from Taliban atrocities? Fatima says her husband is violent and that his uncle sexually harasses her, accusations he denies. Well, I believe that there's no peace without justice. The current problem that we have in Afghanistan, one of the problems is lack of justice for the people. They go to the judiciary system because of the corruption. It takes so long, nobody listens them. When they have to bribe the judiciary system in order to reach. They go to Taliban for revenge. Taliban decide in one hour and hang the person. For a victim who lost the father or the son. That is justice, not this one. Due process, fair justice, this is a basic human right, but it should be a hope, a trust on that institution. If everybody learned lesson from the past 41 years of conflict in the country and promote good governance and provision of justice and basic social services, we will go in the right direction. If they don't look at the past and they are so they're busy with their personal ambition to be stay in power and don't care about the people, 
we will have conflict and the conflict will continue. And the sad part is that that conflict will not stay in our own country. It will reach everywhere. The experience showed. women across the globe. A podcast about women's contribution to peace. This is a production of Podcast Lab in collaboration with the NGO Peace Women Across the Globe. The podcast series Peace Women Across the Globe is available on Spotify and iTunes on Facebook and the website 1000peacewomen.org. We welcome your comments.